Welcome to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. ISFA exists to serve industry professionals involved in the fabrication of manufactured surfacing materials. With each episode, Behind the Surface inspires fabricators to take their business to the next level. Now with your host, Nancy Bush. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Behind the Surface podcast, where we dive into the topic of building a sales engine to drive business growth. In today's uncertain times, it's more important than ever to have a strong sales pipeline that can withstand economic pressures and keep your business profitable. Today, I'm joined by Justin Shaw, founder of Stone Fabricator Elite, a business development and sales support agency that specializes in helping fabricators grow their businesses with proven systems, solutions, and strategies. Justin will share his expertise and insights on how to keep your pipeline full of quality opportunities and rapidly increase sales in both trade and consumer channels. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you for joining us, Justin. Thank you for having me. All right, where should we start? Well, it's at a, the beginning. <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep topic. I think that there's two sides of this from that great intro. Thank you. Um, both potentially heading into uncertain times. I know that some uh, shops and uh, stone pros are Still have, have the luxury of being in certain markets that are not feeling a softening in the market, and that's great, and they may not. Um, but for those that are, you know, growth is maybe not what's on their on their mind. So exactly. the, the topic of this conversation being how to build a sales engine to drive growth can also be, you know, applied to to make up for a decline in sales or to make up for softening in the market or um, just seeing less showroom traffic coming in, less quotes, you know, the phone not ringing as much. So building a sales engine will help to solve for either of those scenarios, whether it's growth or helping to make up some of that decline or to fill some extra capacity in the shop. Perfect. Well, so very customizable for either way, tailored. Yeah, the mechanism, the you know, having a sales engine essentially allows you to predictably and consistently drive sales and revenue, which can be applied in either case, right? To, Fill that extra capacity, or we want to grow, you know, 20% from last year. You know, how do you do that? Um, because what works if you're at a certain stage, if you have a shop that's at $3 million, the certain processes or systems that work to get there aren't necessarily the same ones that'll help you get to five, eight, or ten, let's say, in that circumstance. So you have to kind of adopt new practices and methodologies to, you know, get to that next level, for example. So let's talk about that $3 million range. What, what are some of the things that that size shop that's trying to, you know, get more business? What, what, how do you build that engine there at that level? So I think, yeah, that's, that's a good specific question because a shop at $20 million likely has, a, you know, some of the things already solved for and then it's a different, for sure. maybe a bit of a different scenario. Still, the fundamentals will apply uh, to any size business if they don't already have these things in place. And so there are four parts to a sales engine. Um, a shop in the $3 million range would really want to focus on the first three parts of a sales engine. Okay. And so the first part of that is having a predictable and consistent lead generation mechanism. So that I use the word mechanism because people think about generating leads from a certain 
channel. So that could be like, oh, we get a lot of our leads from Facebook, or we get all of our leads from you know pay-per-click advertising with Google, or referral. But that's just the channel. You need a mechanism, you know, something that's in place, strategies, campaigns, and tactics that you ultimately have some control over to ratchet up or down as needed. So, like a plan. <laughs> like a plan. <laughs> so uh, that's the first part of the sales engine is to have uh, that predictable and consistent lead flow so that if you have 20% less sales volume in the last quarter and you're wanting to you know, be able to proactively get ahead of that or you want to grow by 20%, well, you're going to need more leads, right, into, the, into your pipeline. So that would be the first part. And then the second part of sales engine is to be able to uh, have certain systems and processes in place to have a repeatable you know, process for nurturing, organizing and nurturing those prospects at a high level at scale. What do you do with them? And so again, with a shop that you know is at three but looking to get to five, they might have been able to handle the volume of leads they had before with writing things down on pieces of paper and kind of just doing things the way they used to do them. But if you need you know, 40 more leads a month, you know, to help you get to that $5 million range, that's a whole different animal of how you're going to be able to nurture 2x the amount of leads in the system. Um, And so you're going to need something to be able to do that at scale. So that would mean like a proper CRM, leveraging uh, automation, for example, and really having your team on the same page for, you know, the sales process that you're using. CRMs. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's, a, it's like a C of CRMs, is it not? <laughs> That's what so, the C stands for. I think, I, I think it is. It's the C of CRMs. <laughs> so how do you, when you're talking about tracking customers, and again, knowing that, you know, our audience is made up of a vast array of, you know, uh, where they're at in the mm-hmm. process. And so where would you start? Like if you're talking about a CRM and you're thinking about it, and of course, you know, I think, a lot of them, you know, you can tr- sign up for two weeks or right. all these things and, you know, special, you know, bargain if you sign up for the year, but you really don't know if that's going to fit you for the year. So it's still an investment, things like that. Where's, what do you think is the best way to kind of start looking at CRMs for a fabricator? Yeah, um, that was a good question from, so we're at Coverings right now, recording this podcast live. Right. And uh, we talked about this specific topic yesterday. Um on the fabricator stage that ISFA is sponsoring. Um, and that was one of the primary questions that people were asking at the end, but like also off stage, people coming up and asking about it's how do we select... It's intimidating. There's so know, many, right? Either I mean, a CRM or an ERP, like more aware action flow, co countertop. <laughs> Again, the sea of endless options there. And so, I mean, on the CRM side of things, I do have a short answer for that, but we do have a bias you know, in that, so I want to provide an answer that's less biased is that three years ago we started helping shops and they selected HubSpot. We gave them all the options and they selected that. Um, And so we went into that as designing a blueprint for shops, Stone Pros, after they very carefully vetted, you know, what's going to provide us, you know, the various features, tools, things that will help us remove certain constraints and and grow with our business. So we can start here at an affordable, accessible level and then grow. So that would be my short answer is that um, a number of, Stone Pros carefully selected that um, and then we did our due diligence as well and we agreed that was the right fit but um, I think if somebody's 
going out there to select either CRM or an ERP, you know, um, you know, finding shops that are at the level that you want to be at, mm. you know, and, and networking through groups like ISPA, for example, um, you know, getting connected with those that have already gone before you and done the trial and error and, you know, you know, some of the stumbling and avoid some of the pain that you don't have to go through to figure sure. that out. And then, as we were using that mantra yesterday, repeat successful action. So if somebody's already done that, you know, hard work for you, then, you know, follow in their footsteps and, you know, potentially get a little bit of guidance from them in, in that. Very wise. Very yeah. wise. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then you've selected how you're going to assemble all the sticky notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what's next? Exactly. So, yeah, what you maybe used to do in Excel or in sticky notes on the desk or now in a CRM, you know, to nurture, sort of organize and help you nurture those prospects. Um, And then it really comes down to conversions, you know, getting more deals, more quotes across the finish line um, more quickly and more easily. Um, And when you're dealing with more volume, there's more opportunity for things to fall through the cracks. So if you're trying to grow... You're at a $3 million if we just make that the topic for today. Because you can easily apply that to like a $8 million shop trying to get to 15. There's different constraints, but it's the same sort of mindset that you need to have to identify. I think we talked about that yesterday, about the biggest levers in the business, right? And we were talking about the pro tip being the 80-20 rule I'm a big fan of. Because you can't focus on everything, right? It would just be overwhelming, especially when you're looking to grow. So... Um, or under in a stressful situation of trying to combat a decline. And so looking at the biggest levers uh, in the business, and sales conversion is one of those. So if we get 150 you know, quote opportunities per month, then we're only closing 35%. Without looking outside the business for more leads, opportunities, or adding a new sales rep, if you were looking at just, okay, how are we going to get more of these over the finish line, you're already going to start to increase you know, significantly uh, your sales by doing that. So that's again comes back to sales process, uh, skill development within your sales reps, and then using certain tools that help to make things easier as well. So really it's a it's a discipline, you know, to stay in the lane that you're in but capture more of what you're already mm-hmm. going after. It's really wise. It seems like it feels like I, I hear a lot, okay, we're gonna go after this kind of business because it's it's there. And that's not always the right answer, is mm. it? Oh, yeah, for example, that $3 million shop, their bread and butter's retail, and they're going to go, okay, for us to increase by $2 million, we're going to tackle KMB, which we've never dealt with before, all new processes, systems, yeah. you know, a whole new audience to serve their specific needs. Um, may not be the fastest or easiest path to make an extra $2 million, whereas very often with the, the clients that we work with in the shops is, there's already almost enough in the pipeline already. And it's just that money is being left on the table and there's ways in which um, you can on, you know, already make up you know, that, that ground just from sort of taking the time to analyze what's happening. I love that. It's right, in, it's right, it's right there. there. It's right there. Not always, but very often. It, sound, it sounds a lot easier than <laughs> trying to tackle a new segment or a new mm-hmm. opportunity, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's smart. And we've ta- I think we've talked about this before on uh, other is for podcasts, but it's like, okay, looking at new revenue streams is a good idea, but if um, now you're going to add a line of cap, you know, you're going to add cabinets, you know, as a sales channel, it's a good idea, potentially a good idea, but again, that comes with a steep learning curve. You know? 
and generally it's better to amplify what's already working you know um, and just focus in on dialing things in a little bit more throughout the business so it can be more productized more systematized and scalable that makes so much sense and from a shop efficiency perspective as well Mm -hmm. right you're already tooled up you're geared up for it (laughs) so let's just get more of that thing and find those ways so how do you find you know more the more ways within that one thing like what what kinds of things can help get to the finish line with more right yeah if we take that number from before of 150 quotes in the pipeline at any given time during the month um you know there's things from like habits for sales reps like habits and daily sales activities and structure even that's just like very you know simple low-hanging fruit that you can focus on um where they may, you know, in many cases when we're talking to shops and like, oh man, we just, we're leaving a lot of money on the table, you know, our reps will just focus on what just walked through the door and that's really easy and it's ready to close now. Everything else that requires a little more nurturing, a few extra touches, you know, they're just losing track of, you know, so there's those types of things of just meeting with your sales team, finding out, you know, what's, what's in their scope at any given time and what should you be helping them to develop you know, habits around reconciling their pipeline for stuff that kind of falls through the cracks or how many times are we touching, you know, a deal um, to see that an extra three touches will actually, if we look at, you know, we're going to add three more touches for 90 days and seeing if that moves the needle. So sometimes it takes a little bit of testing, but generally with sales conversions, it's keying up on sales activities, skills and comp- like competency and confidence in helping to move things across the finish line that are sometimes a little trickier, helping to empower your team so they feel more confident um, to do so. And then technology. Technology is something that's, you know, uh, in so many cases there's a solution, you know, an extra app, you know, which seems like, oh, there's always an app for, you know, something else. And there's too many, we're using too much technology in our business already. But when selected carefully and used for the right things, technology can really enhance a lot and we talked about that yesterday in terms of like not chasing contracts to be signed or getting those deposits in using things within the CRM like a DocuSign that's integrated that as soon as that deal moves to closed one it can trigger and automatically send them the contract um, as well as to capture payments digitally through Stripe for example for deposits can all be triggered within your CRM so that it's seamless right and and instant so it's easy So, you know what, it's interesting because when I think about a shop at that $3 million annual revenue, um, I think about, you know, the sales process and scorecarding and tracking. And one of the things that I think gets missed is tracking the sales process, (laughs) right? So, exactly. And so it's really easy to say, you know, this salesperson hit their sales goals this Mm -hmm. month and this month and, you know, and track because they closed, but... Are we, are we tracking the, the whole sales process? You know, right. to your point, in the next 90 days, we, we three extra touches for each one of these. And, mm-hmm. you know, even looking at some sort of incentivization that isn't related necessarily to the end goal of close, but know that that's going to get you to the end goal. Right. right. And so really um, capitalizing, again, on, on upping that percentage of how many of those leads mm-hmm. make it to the finish line. Right. Hadn't, hadn't really thought about that, Justin. I got to tell you, um, yeah. that's that's really important. And whether or not you're using totally. an app to track that or not, right? Right. I mean, just the concept of that is really where mm-hmm. I think 
it makes a difference. And, and so many fabricators um, are so busy, right? So, and totally. and to, to track that side of it is just mm-hmm. a different. It's a different mindset for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, in the three million dollar range, I hear from shops, it's like there are oftentimes they won't even chase after a certain, you know, collecting a certain deposit to even start a job if it's under a certain amount because it's just not, you know, it falls. They're again leaving money on the table in that regard because it's kind of they're still collecting deposits almost like in an analog, you know, yes. way. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it it is funny to me how often. Um, you know, in the process, you get lost in what your salespeople are doing to get to that end goal. I think mm-hmm. that is just such a key takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there really, really are, that. and that's when we talk about the biggest levers. There are just a few key things that'll help move things through more quickly and easily, uh, like deal velocity-wise. So deals don't take so long to get to the point where the money is in the bank. Mm-hmm. Actually, so. And hey, if they're if you're too busy and you've got a sales team. They can always pick up some great tips on our on our um, series, right? Justin mm-hmm. has a series with Dispa. You want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so we have an eight-part. We did the first one last, was it this month? Or? Just a couple weeks ago, Just yeah. a couple weeks ago, and we have the next one coming up, which will be high-performance sales activities. So uh, in that one, it'll be much more digestible than the last one. Trying to cover a full sales process in a short 30 minutes was was tough. But this one's going to be focused on some of those biggest levers, just how to structure um, the day for a high-performing, for a sales rep to become high-performing. So some specific things around time blocking, how they reconcile their day. So we're going to go through those things, and that I think will be really helpful for people to grab some, some solid fundamentals. For sure. So, you know, if you're if you're too busy to spend the time to scorecard and to map that out, and you're going six ways to Sunday, which <laughs> to your point, a lot yeah. of fabricators still are. Oh my You God. know, turn your sales team loose and set the expectation that they'll they'll listen in. Um, mm-hmm. We record them as well, yep. so they're on the ISFA website. If you're a member, you can just log in and mm-hmm. and have your sales team watch it. But, you know, really um, start in that sales process because mm-hmm. I think that is that's a key takeaway for sure and it, the goal uh, in our goal at the end of the eight because that'll be archived within this full website members portal yeah. it'll be more or less linear of where a sales rep should start and by the end of it some pretty solid fundamental you know uh, sales skills and development training that'll be accessible to them so I'm excited to keep that keep that going Hire a new salesperson and have them listen to the series. That yeah. would be my my totally. prescription for that. Totally. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Justin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate all that you do in the sales clinic series. Be sure to check that out on uh, isfanow.org. And with that, have a great rest of your day. And Justin, you can you can check out Justin's website as well. Yep, uh, stonefabricatorelite.com, um, and that's where we have our two flagship programs, our sales engine in 90 days and our sales sidekick program, which is essentially two turnkey programs to really help you solve a lot of things that we talk about in the ISPO webinar series or some of the other workshops that we do, help you get through those constraints to scale more easily. Well, thanks, and thanks for representing ISPA at Coverings, and thanks to the Taffy Group for having us. It's been a great what a great experience this coverings has been this week. I've enjoyed so it a lot. Yeah, it's it been has. Great. This is one of the best ones, so just keeps getting better. Awesome. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
To hear more in-depth viewpoints, gain actionable insights and powerful tools to help you succeed, subscribe to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. To learn more about ISFA, visit our website at www.isfanow.org.